to Batarang, the podcast where we bring you the Batman insights that others are too superstitious and cowardly to deliver. We are reviewing Batman the Animated Series. This week, Joker's in top form, we look at the size of the cake, and the first appearance of one Harley Quinn. It's season one, episode 22, Joker's Favor. Then Brandon and I chat about the fan reaction to Harley Quinn and her rise from sidekick to global icon here on Batarang. And welcome back. I am Sam, your host. Here with you, Brandon, the Batman expert. Got an IOU on Batman knowledge. <laughs> How is it an IOU? I, I don't know. Why does Joker has a note underlined twice, owes me a favor? <laughs> uh, yes. And this is the favor. It is the Joker's favor. Yes. One of my all-time favorite Joker episodes, mm-hmm. if not my favorite Joker episode, because it really shows the characterization of the animated series Joker, I think, better than anything else I've seen. Yeah, I feel like... I, I was thinking about it this morning. So like, yeah, I feel like each Joker episode we get is like, this one is better than the last one, mm-hmm. right? And granted, the bar didn't start very high. Right. But... It's a trend I would love for it to keep going, but off the top of my head, I don't remember what the next Joker episode is, so... I mean, if it levels off here and stays this good, like, that would be excellent. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, Mad Love is not too far down the rotation, so that is A-OK. Yeah. The, uh, so what I like about this Joker is it's the perfect combination of, like, funny, uh, unpredictable, and menacing. Right. Uh, it's like that good mix that makes up like a Joker that you like to have on screen. It doesn't make you feel gross, but like also isn't boring. Right. I, I mean, I think we'll get into this um, later, like in the you know final interview segment. But I I would absolutely agree that this is as are a lot of things with TAS, sort of the the ideal Joker for a lot of people. Although I will I will go to the mat for several Jokers. Um, but yeah, I'd say it's a lot more interesting than like kind of. I mean, I haven't read Joker War yet, but what's been what they've done with him in the comics over the past few years has been a weird combination of like near misses. Um, <clears throat> whereas this is a simple idea executed well. Um, so yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's get into our 22 second summaries. Okay. Tell the people what the episode is about. And. You're off. Put upon wage slave, Charlie Collins cuts off the Joker and curses him out on the freeway. Instead of killing him, Joker takes his ID and says he'll owe him a favor. Two years later, he uses he cashes it in and makes Charlie uh, an accessory to bombing a testimonial for Jim Gordon. Charlie calls him Batman, but in the end, he and Joker switch roles and Charlie gets the last laugh. Twenty point eighty four. Nice. I always start rushing at the end. 
It's it's a nice crescendo. Well, it, it matches the drama of the episode. It is. It's got Joe Hakyu. Yeah. <laughs> My summary is of Joe Hakyu. For those that are into Japanese uh, dramaturgy. <laughs> oh, yeah, our, our two listeners who are no enthusiasts are like, I know yes. that, that my, one. My one friend who is also obsessed with the Joe Hakyu and storytelling might listen to this, and then he'll be like, yes, yes. That's exactly it. All right, uh, let's okay. let's get the uh, let's get the color commentary version of the summary. That covered it all so well. Um, this is the episode that has the audacity, the bravery to ask, "What if Charlie Brown lived in Gotham City? What is the worst thing that could happen to him?" And of course, the answer is he moves to Ohio. <laughs> uh, and when Joker calls Charlie in on his favor, um, we find out that Joker has just a bunch of trick weapons. That's that's what I'll call it as because I want us to be able to unpack a little bit of that later. But yes, yeah, yeah. Normally, like the color commentary has the like the zings to the episode, but like the episode is so good. The episode is made of zings. Like it's pretty uh, pretty unassailable, and like all of the comedy lands. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, so in this episode, we just open up on Charlie, and yep. it's nice to see like. A normal person who lives in Gotham just trying to get through his day. Yeah. Oh, I got passed over for my raise, and my kid needs braces. Um, it's, it's like all the things. Yeah. Like, and then uh, his wife is making meatloaf. <laughs> At least that's his worst marital problem. I mean, that's an excellent point. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know, Charlie, maybe, maybe like you make dinner or you prepare it like on Sunday night. You're like, hey, hey, babe, just pop this in the oven on on Wednesday night. Um, so that that's part of it, is like, my initial reaction to Charlie is I kind of don't like him. Well, he's not very likable. Yeah. Like, he's very self-pitying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but he is like, he's an everyman, and he's like a special 90s kind of everyman. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. With the person, oh, my job, and my wife, and my kids, right. and my car, my he, Cuban cigar. He's he's. Christopher Lloyd in the cinematic classic Suburban Commando. Uh, he's Michael Douglas in Falling Down, um, right up to um, the only difference here is he meets someone more violent than him. Yeah. He's also bald and has this terrible hair swoosh on oh top of his head. God, he's yes. really homely. <laughs> Not to jump ahead too much, but when you do see his son, like, oh, you poor ugly boy. <laughs> uh, but he's already having a bad day, yep. and then, like, all these police cars zoom by him, and then the Batmobile zooms by him. Right, which means Batman is slacking. Yes. Yep. He needs to step up his bat game. Yeah, well, my guess is Batman was running late because he was investigating somewhere else the Joker might be and was right, but then second-guessed himself and mm, followed the police. Yep, yep. Um, because yeah. the Joker uh, is pretty much the next car we see. <clears throat> yes, although I, I do want to say, Charlie then starts whining, like, oh, no one moves over for Charlie. And it's like, my dude, like, they could be off to save, like, a literally a school bus full of children is not outside of the realm of possibility on this one yeah okay <laughs> i do like the way he resents batman though <laughs> yeah. like if you're in gotham like it's just so normal for batman to be doing stuff it's like yep. it's inconveniencing you like the way like the president shuts down a, a freeway or something for safety yeah uh you're just like oh god like this big shot he thinks he owns the road <laughs> it's just batman it's just batman um he just owns the night um I think you mean the night. The night. Um, but then, yeah, a uh, a station wagon with 
uh, like camping gear up top. Yeah. Like um, attached to the roof rack and yeah. like bungeed on. Uh, cuts Charlie off. And that's what um, flips the last switch in his brain. And he goes from uh, a metaphorical zero to 90 um, and starts trying to force the station wagon off the road. Yes. Well, first he drives up to the station wagon. Uh, he did, like It is quite extreme right yeah like we see like sparks flying off as his like fender hits like the guardrail yeah 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 and like i like to imagine if it hadn't been the joker like charlie gets home what his conversation with his wife would, would be like she's like what the hell happened to the car i um i might be a super villain because yeah batman so, then turned around and well if it wasn't the joker instead of uh Witness protection, he'd be going into therapy, I hope. I mean, one would hope. I mean, he should be going into both anyway. Yeah. Uh, but he does shake his fist and curse out. He, hey, you clown! Yelling at the at the driver, which I think the audience already knows is the Joker at this point. Yeah, he's clearly visible. And we get the Joker theme. Yeah. Uh, but, like, Joker puts down his window and just, like, makes eye contact with Charlie. And he realizes the mistake he's made. Yep. And, like, the palpable terror that comes, like, dread that comes over him. And then he does, like, the most logical thing to do, which is jerk the wheel, zoom across three lanes, and exit as soon as he possibly can to get as much space between him and the Joker as possible. Yeah, after, like, scrunching down in his seat, it is perfect where, like, like you said earlier, it's weird because we have this escalation that only a cartoon could do, right? Where he's like, I'm going to commit a crime right now. I'm going to, like, try to, try to create, try to commit vehicular manslaughter off, off jump, right? And then he sees it's the joke. And then he does, like, a very relatable thing of, like, oh, no, I, I fucked up. So he, like, just just shrinks in his seat. And, like, gently waves at the Joker, (laughs) like he was just trying to say hi. Yeah. Uh, the Joker then reacts in a, just this great way. And, like, he's, the Joker remains completely calm. Yep. And he's like, okay, now we're doing this. <laughs> and we see the Joker switching lanes to get behind Charlie, and he puts his hand outside the window to hand signal. Yes. <laughs> both, both hand signal and, and the blanker signal. being it's completely tough. safe, which is, like, such a demented, <laughs> like, weirdly threatening thing to do. <laughs> uh, yeah, and, I mean... Charlie pulls off. Um, he does drive somewhat erratically, and he finds himself like in a park, right? Like he's in a wooded area. Yeah, like on a like he ends up in a a lot first. Mm. The Joker finds him there. Yeah, he shifts gears and then he drives again, and he ends up then on a wooded hill yeah. through like a dirt road. I just want to call attention before we talk about this yep. that there's some cool effects with the taillights throughout this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where we get the red streaks as he jerks across the lanes and, like, drives erratically, like you were saying, which yeah. is cool. Yeah, yeah. If you haven't seen Akira, do that. That's <laughs> where this all comes from. Uh, your favorite cartoon series has an Akira reference, just guaranteed. Yeah. Whenever you see somebody sliding across the ground away from camera and leaving a trail behind them. Yep, yep. He thinks he's gotten away from the Joker, and what do you know? There's that station wagon, because Joker knows knows Gotham's roads about as well as the Batman, so... Yep. And he just lopes over the hill. Charlie, his car won't even start anymore because he drove it to the brink, and it was an old beater anyway. Right. (laughs) Uh, And uh, he confronts him. Um, and a scene where Charlie's terrified and the Joker is, like, pretending that he's interested in public safety. Right. Yes. 
um, we can't have we can't have that, right? He lectures Charlie like we can't have people just losing their their beans on the road. Like that's yeah. not some and way to live in a society. Charlie basically says, "Please don't kill me. I'll do anything." Right, and that's when Joker like sees the comedy value in this. Yes. Um, and, oh, anything. <laughs> Well, okay. Yeah, it's such like a child's bargain sort of sort of thing, right? Um, and what I love what I love about the animation in this scene is that basically throughout it, both of these men are quivering, right? Like Charlie with fear and Joker with this hardly contained rage. Mm-hmm. Um, so just like this little like jerkiness in the animation communicates so much. Um, and again, it's that sort of thing where like you can't get it. Like, you can get that emotion across in live action, but I love the playful way that, like, you know, animation can play around with, like, lines and body shape to really accentuate this. And the Joker is only containing this at all, right? Because he's only waiting to deliver his fury with at the moment that is the best dramatic payoff exactly for him and the viewer. Right. Because in his mind, he's always on stage. Yes. Um... So, Hamill's voice acting in this episode is incredible. Yes. It's uh, it's so on point. The lines are delivered with so much comedy and menace. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, um, like, he's totally found the Joker's voice. And in this scene with Charlie, it's basically perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um, it reminds me of nothing so much as the, um, as the, uh, what does Marcellus Wallace look like scene from the yeah, beginning of Pulp yeah, Fiction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, it is wonderful. Yep. Uh, but Joker takes Charlie's wallet so he can get his ID mm-hmm. because he's going to turn Charlie into his project. And the idea is that Charlie will owe him a favor. Charlie asks what it is and he says, I haven't thought of it yet. Right, yeah. Uh, I, I just came up with this. <laughs> And it's one of those things where it's like, actually, I can I can follow that logical through line. Um, and I think that's, again, when the Joker's kind of at his most unnerving, where you're like, okay, I can see where you're coming from on this one, mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but, yeah. But we then flash forward two years later. Right, which means that this is about... So, I don't know if you noticed, but um, Charlie's ID was issued by the state of Gotham, uh-huh. <laughs> which, fine, Gotham is big enough that it has its own like RMV, DMV, whatever. Sure. Um, and the expiration date on the license was uh, in 1995. Yes. So um, is it earliest 90 then? Yeah, yeah. So they're about so um, let's just round it and say like yeah so or is it eight years for a license? <clears throat> anyway, it's somewhere, This the first scene is somewhere between the late 80s to the early 90s. Yeah, I just love that like they bothered to put a date in because well, it's the sort of thing that like doesn't matter at all. To me like that was great because yeah. there's always this question of like what year is this mm-hmm. show set in? Yeah. And I believe this is the only artifact from the series that gives you a specific time frame that it must take place in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That and maybe the Tiny Toons comic a little bit later. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess the first scene must be in 90 and the present rest of the episode takes place in 92. So we open up on, I believe, the Joker. Mm. Uh, right? And yep. he's at his in his lair. Oh, no. Batman. Batman. We open up on Batman. That's right. We open up on... It's Gordon walking through the halls of right. the police uh, headquarters. Right. So we so we open on Gordon walking through uh, the GCPD bullpen. Um, 
He's like, I don't want to. Right? Bullock is trying to say like, hey, you know, take this award. I've never heard something like this being called a um. Oh, what is it? It's a testimonial. Testimonial. I've never. Yeah. Heard... Like my only guess is like, it's just a time for everybody to stand up and say what an impact Gordon has made on their life or career. Yeah. Yeah. Um, which you know would probably go better if like he had jailed more of his friends and then they could have done Toastmasters in prison. It's a yeah. popular prison pastime. Sure. Um, but yeah, Bullock, who's especially uh, skeevy in this episode. Yeah. I feel like Paul Dini usually doesn't have it out for, for Bullock this bad. Well, he provides some, uh, I guess you would call it comic relief, although the episode is comic. The episode is, yeah, the episode is comic and I mean, we get it off jump, right? Like, the um the episode is back on the bullshit of like Bullock's fat like yeah. that's his thing is like hey commission they say nice things about you and it's a free meal right like he is basically like an animal like right. he's the animal like <laughs> I could, I'm gonna eat everything I'm gonna take everything I'm gonna leer at every woman yeah. I like don't care about like societal mores <gasps> I'm a zit <laughs> yeah exactly uh, but that's his role in this yeah. Uh, and which actually kind of sets up Harley uh, to like have the audience's sympathy again in, in a nice way. Enough, yeah. yeah. Um, but <laughs> Gordon is like, I don't want to do this. And then for some reason, Batman is in his Gordon's office just to convince him to go through with this testimonial. I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, because, you know, depending on like where you're looking in like the Batman mythos, right? There's, you know, like Batman and Gordon are like wary of one another, but here they're like, or they're um, or they're like lightly antagonistic, or even like it's a very arm's distance. Like you know, this is a working relationship, um, or the Harley Quinn cartoon where um, Gordon is a huge goober and Batman is like, I am too cool for this, uh -huh. but I need this nerd, um, <clears throat> or it's convenient to have him. Yes. Right. But in this, like, Gordon is tired. Yep. And Batman is there to buck him up, mm -hmm. boost his morale, and I guess, in, like, improve morale for, like, the Gotham PD generally. I, I think he's, I think part of it is he's just there for his friend. Yeah, like, he heard this was going to happen. I mean, Bruce Wayne probably suggested it or something, right. planted the idea in someone's head. I mean, he might have paid for it. Yeah. He shows up at the at the event, not for Batman reasons, for Bruce Wayne reasons. Right. So, yeah, and, like, he's like, okay, Jim won't want to do this, but he'll be glad he did. And, yeah, I just, I really, I really love that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, he, Gordon agrees to go along with it, and that sets us up to cut to the Joker, who is like, ooh, these fuckers. Like, <laughs> I am going to get them, because Jim Gordon is getting an award at a fancy dinner, and I hate his guts. It's taking the spotlight off of me, yep. uh, and I am going to uh, fuck it all up for him and everyone, and maybe kill them all. He, he broke out of, presumably, the asylum again, uh just for this yes right which i mean again if anyone's paying attention like gee we announced this the day after um which like i mean one one can wonder like how does he know about this because he has one of the flyers yeah right so it's not like he saw it on the news or something um well i'm sure there's police and, like law enforcement that like come through the jail all the time yeah but then <laughs> 
Right, you know, just catch up with her old pal, the Joker. <laughs> right. Well, I'm sure he has, like, whenever you see a cop, like, find out what they're up to and bring it to me or else. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, oh, no, Harley Quinn is embedded in GDPD already. Right, yeah. GCPD. Yeah. We see her in Gordon walking through the aisle. That's we right. We see Harley Quinn dressed as a cop. Mm-hmm. Technically the first appearance of uh, of Harleen Quinn, uh, Quindell. Quinzel? Quinzel. Quinzel. Uh, and, like, we get, like, a moment where, like, Gordon, like, makes eye contact with her and, like, do I recognize mm. oh, Whatever. We have people on the force that I haven't met yet, and he keeps going. Yeah, yeah. So, like, obviously he's pretty plugged in. Um, that and that makes sense. It's one of those things where I think I've mentioned this before, right? Where it's like I don't know who the commissioner of our police force is. No. Um, whereas in like Batman, it is just known. Um, anyway, yep. So Joker's like gonna rain on this parade. Yep. And he's decided that this is the perfect time to call in his favor with Charlie. He calls up Charlie while Harley Quinn is giving him a haircut. <laughs> Which, of course, is leads up to, like, a good gag. This is a scene that shows up in a lot of superhero stories. And I think that, in general, it is a reference to um, the shave scene in The Untouchables. Yes. The Brian De Palma film. Yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. this same scene happens in a Kingdom Come with Captain Marvel giving Lex Luthor a shave. And I think the same thing happens in another um, bit. I... I do want to say something that really stood out to me as far as like this idea occurring to Joker is he he keeps a notebook, mm-hmm. right? Which seems so weirdly banal to me, right? That like I don't think of Joker as being like a very organized man or that like he is a genius, so it's just all up in his head all the time. Uh-huh. Um, so just that he like keeps this scrapbook, it feels like it must be because because um, he regularly loses his memory. That's my oh, that's my presumption. I like that. To me, I thought like he had a notebook just to. This is his Charlie Collins notebook. Oh yeah, yeah. Like because his hobby is Charlie Collins, and like right. Charlie's moving, changing his name. Like he's following this guy for years to wait for the right moment to do this, and like to remember every detail about Charlie over years. <clears throat> like, uh, what am I going to do on a Friday night? Let's pull out my Charlie Carl- Collins notebook and uh, and update my yeah. uh, my read on him. But it could be both. Yeah, I mean, who knows? It could be any... It, it's an okay, like, visual thing also. Yeah. Um, but anyway, Joker calls up Charlie. Charlie has moved to Ohio and changed his name to Don. Right. And is apparently pretty happy. He's play, yeah. Yeah. He's playing football with his kid in the front yard. Yeah. I pretty much got the sense that his encounter with the Joker, like, shook up his life, mm-hmm. had him reevaluate things. He became a better family man, probably got a better job in Ohio. He has a nice house with a nice yard. Which costs $80 in Ohio. <laughs> I mean, good for him. Yeah, good yeah. for him. Uh, but, which, like, sets up, like, the pathos for, like, his life is being shattered. Yeah. Right? Because Joker was like, I got you on the next flight to Gotham, Charlie. I don't know why you changed your name. You might think, I, someone might think that you were trying to welch on our agreement. But I don't know why you would want to do that. Right, Joker with his well-known and documented casual racism against the Welsh. That's right. Um, and then his, his... I don't know, it's about Jack Welsh, the former GE CEO. Oh, that honestly makes as much sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, while while Joker's on the phone and with perfect timing, uh, what's it, Rocco and... Anyway, Joker's heavies roll, who show up everywhere in this episode. Uh-huh. Like, these dudes can teleport. Um <laughs> They, it's like my henchman Michael Myers and uh, Jason Voorhees. 
<laughs> so they uh, they roll by in their like Studebaker whatever, uh-huh. which I love. It's like why don't they just like why doesn't he just hop in that? Why don't they? It's fine. <laughs> like I don't understand why he should be on the plane, but I do love that it's like it. I like that it's sort of a Joker's, like, unnecessary wheels within wheels yeah. sort of planet. Well, it's the drama. Yeah, exactly. It's the drama. So, yeah, the two guys roll by and, like, eyeball Charlie and his family so he knows how serious it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for the next vignette, we're, like, in Charlie's POV. Mm-hmm. Like, not, like, right in his head through his eyes, but, like, we're on, like, you know inches from him yeah as he goes to the airport like lands in gotham like we see him trying to think of how he can get out of this he's going to go to security and -hmm. tell them what's going on but then harley in street clothes pops up and he's like charlie right this way street clothes is overstating she's in a valet uniform (laughs) yes yeah yeah which um which of course shows up like it's the same outfit that uh, Mercy wears years later in the Superman series um, uh, Luthor's Girl Friday. Nice Easter uh, egg. Thanks. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, she has she has balloons too, right? It's the yeah. whole nine. Uh-huh. So like, it's impossible to avoid. At this point, he knows he just needs to go along with it. <laughs> yeah. But like, if you're Charlie, like you're looking for every exit, right? Just like in the first scene when he's mm-hmm. like looking for the off ramp. Yeah. Like that's him for the rest of the episode, looking for everyone, and the Joker just cuts him off every single time. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> and yeah, they she takes Charlie to uh to the Joker, right? Yep. They like go to the van, they get yep. the plan. Yep. So the plan is, they're going to Jim Gordon's testimonial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harley is going to wheel on a cake, or she's going to knock on the door three times, and when Charlie hears that, all he needs to do is open the door, and he goes, that's it? And then Joker points the cake and says, look at the size of the cake, man! She can't open the door and hold the cake! Think, man, think! Which is just hilarious joker seems demented right charlie is like this guy is is off his rocker like if that wasn't already obvious that's what charlie says then this guy's nuts and it's like my dude (laughs) he just explained that he's been long distance stalking you for fun just to wait for the funniest moment to ruin your life (laughs) and he found it right and it's so it's so clear like the sheer malice of it is so clear in that he doesn't need Charlie to do this, right? Like, when uh, when Charlie does get in the room um, in, his, in his very ugly tuxedo, um, what, like, Rocco and, uh, I don't know, the Babadook, whatever, are already there. Like, <laughs> right. either of them could have opened the door. But you can tell, like, there's this thought process in Charlie where he's like, there's something more to this. Yeah. Like, I am still in a lot of danger but there's this glint of hope yeah where it's like maybe that was it like maybe he's really crazy enough that he just felt like he needed somebody to open a door or maybe it's enough to make me accessory to this yeah um but like knowing that he's not quite out of it but like the denial is enough to like make satisfy the jokers like need to torture him um so they're at there, this is all happening at the Peregrinators Club. Uh, we get a quick scene with uh, Bruce and Gordon, and Bruce saying like, "Hey, sorry, I have to peace out, but really glad you're getting this." Blah blah blah. 
as I mentioned earlier, the, the heavies are in there. So Charlie's like looking everywhere. It's like, what do I do? What do I do? And he goes into the Hall of Inventions where basically Da Vinci's flying machine is hanging up. Mm -hmm. um, right. Well known as like one of the uh, one of uh, Bob Kane's initial inspirations for the Batman like outfit. <laughs> so he just kind of like swings it in the window. Yeah. Well, he's talking to himself. And it's like if only there was some way to contact that. Yeah. He's like, this won't work. I can't make things any worse. Right. So he does indeed move the crane so that this swinging bat-looking thing gets silhouetted in, silhouetted in the window. Mm -hmm. And lucky for him, Bruce Wayne is Batman, because as he's departing, Bruce looks over. Oh, Alfred. Alfred sees it yeah. in the rear view. Yep. Uh, and he's like, I think you maybe need it inside, sir. <laughs> and, you know, and again, like... Alfred's like, you know, I know how this world works. Yeah, we're going to... John was savvy, Alfred. Um, I wanted to point out, uh, just call attention to the police are all dressed up, mm -hmm. not in uniform. Yes. And Montoya cleans up quite nice. <laughs> yes, but she also looks like she's wearing a quinceanera dress. <laughs> <laughs> she also looks like she resents being there and especially resents Bullock. Yeah, she resents being there. I have to imagine in a dress as well. And maybe this is just like... Um, I think I'm largely saying that because the dress has like big poofy sleeves, but I guess that was the style at the time. Yeah, right. Like that's what Kim Basinger, uh, yeah, Kim Basinger has in Batman '89. Right, uh -huh. is this ugly like prom dress looking thing? I do kind of wonder why Bruce leaves. <clears throat> he leaves saying, "I got to be out there with the Joker out." Right. He when does he's say that, he's at the most like every important cop is all in one place together, and like yes, they're on the street patrolling for the Joker, but like. It's such a tempting target yeah. for the Joker. Like, why would he leave? Uh, you know, and maybe if there was um, a B-side to this story, there there's a red herring somewhere, yeah. right? Or something. Who knows? Yeah. It's an excellent question. <laughs> and one the episode is not at all interested in, in, in interrogating. No. I mean, we just got to get up to the action. Yeah. We need we need time for that temple run. Right. I mean, yes. There's, there's cake to be had. So, cut inside... Um, Harley knocks three times. Mm. Charlie opens up the door. He, his hand adheres to it because there's just really sticky stuff on the handle. Yep. So he's in the trap now. Yeah. Harley rolls in. Um, he gets catcalled. Uh, she gets catcalled by Bullock. Yeah. Who is just like brazenly in front of all the other cops. Calls her baby doll. And uh, <laughs> Harley... Uh, kicks him in, no hits him in the shin with a uh, with a billy club yeah and like really nails him and he right. fucking deserves it yeah and so, Montoya is like nodding with satisfaction so, yeah exactly which you know um, especially because I like to imagine Montoya is like yeah she's hot but geez Bullock um, she's already chastised him for shoving as much food down his gullet as he can right. get his hands on he's just an absolute pig yeah uh, but like it, we're kind of like as the audience in the in the mind frame of like really liking this character right right like she's the joker's friend uh she's cool she's competent she gets to be do what we want to do to bullock yeah i mean she does i think and we said that so this is not her first appearance i think no it is it is okay it is her absolute first appearance okay yeah, yeah. For some anyway, um, unless we're watching in the wrong order, and she was introduced in another episode, but like, she doesn't have the demented qualities that Harley Quinn takes on later in this. Well, and that's sort of um, 
my what I was thinking right is do do do. Well, you you keep going. I'm gonna ch double check this. Um, but yeah, she wheels in the cake. Gordon is up at the pulpit giving his his thank you speech or whatever. Yeah, you were right. By the way. I just thought that she was in an episode before and less developed. No, but yeah, this is, this is that. She okay, yeah, she pretty much uh, hatches fully formed, pretty much. Uh, so, Gordon's giving a speech. Um, Harley walks up and does like a singing telegram style, uh, Jim Gordon, the man of the hour, kind of like this dumb rhyming thing to announce the fact that the Joker's about to kill them all. Yeah, um, and you know, I gotta say thanks show for not doing the um the Marilyn Monroe bit yeah just just want to throw that out there yeah it's possible that like the it was written mm -hmm. inspired by that but then the voice actor was like no here's how we're gonna do it and she does it great yeah so this is when she was still being voiced by Arlene Sorkin mm -hmm. um and if you're asking well why are the cops standing around for this they've been hit with a paralysis gas well that's what happens on the at the punchline of her speech. right yeah, yeah yeah so she's like doing this sing telegram style thing where, or like rhyme that's coming up straight and earnest mm -hmm. and then like her voice changes at the last one where she's like and this one's for you yeah like she like really hits that like something's about to fucking happen to you now yeah. and that's when all the candelabras shoot out paralysis gas right which again wildly well-timed classic joker yep. plot and then once they're all frozen, Joker pops out of the cake. Of course. Another beautiful Joker entrance. And what I and and only Harley is unparalyzed enough to applaud. I mean, Charlie isn't paralyzed yes. either, but he only well, has she one hand free. She puts a gas mask yep. on herself and gives a gas mask to Charlie because she wants him to like Joker wants maximum suffrage <laughs> suffering on Charlie. <laughs> no, she just wants him to uh, be able to vote maybe like five or six times. Right, and you only need one hand to pull ever. So. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, but no, <laughs> Charlie, the the goons, and Harley all get to survive and have full mobility. Yeah, um, and just I mean, granted, this was unilateral, but this sort of thing has happened enough that I just gotta I gotta say like. Big cakes just should be illegal in Gotham. Oh, yeah. Just only cupcakes. Yep. Right? Um, and even then, like, you gotta watch... I mean, there aren't any, like, size-changing villains in Batman's Rogues Gallery, so really it's just, like, you have to worry about, like, Ray, Pal yes. Ray Palmer showing up, but right. other than that... Yeah. Anything... Any man-sized cakes is a no. Yep. And if somebody says, why can't I bring the cake in? You just say, look at the size of the cake, man. Yep. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not holding the door open for you. Uh-huh. Uh, so, yes, like you were saying, only Harley claps. Yep. Um, maybe the goons clap? Yeah, they they do, and it's, it's, it's funny to me, right? Because partly this is a pretty, like, it's all a funny gag, at least for us removed, right? But always, like, people have to be threatened to clap for Joker. Mm-hmm even if they work for him, right. right? So even back at the hideout earlier, you know, when you mentioned, like, the Tiny Toon Adventures comic, I cannot imagine being comfortable enough around the Joker where I could read a comic book. No. <laughs> he, he almost missed the time to clap for the Joker. <laughs> he almost died. <laughs> um, but we get a nice joke where, like, everyone's paralyzed, and I forget if it's Harley or the Joker, but they're, like, it's tough Harley. audience. Yeah, it's Harley, yeah, yeah. Tough audience. Um, and then... Uh, the Joker pins a bomb to Commissioner Gordon's chest, this big old pile of dynamite with yep. a Joker face timer on it. Naturally. Uh, which, like, 
is going to explode, kill everybody, but like especially Jim Gordon. <laughs> yep. And then they leave and leave Charlie to die in the blast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that is when Batman, I guess it took Alfred a while to like find somewhere to turn the car around. Uh-huh. <laughs> Because uh, a, a long time has gone by, right? Uh, but Batman drops in. Through the skylight, like he does. As as a bat would do. Um, and Charlie says, uh, you know, Commissioner Gordon's medal, which is, like, not what... It's a weird thing to call it in that moment. Yeah. <laughs> well, it got him to look at the right place, though. That's true. It's just, like, you know... <laughs> just... He says it in such a way where it's like his metal is cleverly disguised. It's uh-huh. actually a bomb. It's that like, thing with the Joker's face on it and all the rolls of dynamite. <laughs> that is actually dangerous. Um, yeah, so Batman sees it and he's like, oh, nuts, ah, oh, nuts. Um, and he pretty much just ties it to his um, ties it to his grapnel and slingshots it out the, yes. out the skylight. Right. Um, so it goes boom. Um, the Joker is driving away. He uh, hears it go off, and then he's like, not—he's not driving yet, right? They're just like oh, they're just walking, run. yeah. Because oh, that's right, right. Away. They're walking out. Uh, they hear the boom. Joker looks self-satisfied for a second, and then he's like, "That blast came from outside. Yeah, I think we might have a bat problem. Quick to the car. We're gonna get out of here." Which, quick to the van, does not like. Firstly, I'm sad the station wagon is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Secondly, um, get to the van is not quite as showmanshipy as as I would generally want from the Joker. No, but it's also very funny. Yes, I do like the fact that he's like, "Oh fuck, we got a boogie, guys." Yeah, <laughs> let's just go. Like we were, uh, we almost had the last laugh, but now Batman is here, so we cannot be here. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, and then Harley is like, "Hey, Mister J, got some got some bad news to break to you," and. Ooh boy, the van is a smoldering heap. Yep, because the bomb landed right on it. Yep. And he's like, all right, uh, plan B. Yep, we'll stick it out here. Uh, so uh, Batman then goes looking for the Joker. For some dumbass reason, there's a fully built like Mayan temple with traps in it that the Joker leads Batman through. Has he already hit Charlie with the solvent? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, what are your thoughts on bat solvent being at hand? Of course it is. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I figure, like, on the one hand, like, it's not dumber than bat shark repellent, but also, like, yeah, if the Joker's involved, like, you have to be prepared for all sorts of, like, you right. know, um, what if someone has, like, a is given a pair of binoculars and it has, you know, like, a flesh-eating bacteria on the... <laughs> On the eye hole, and on the today, viewfinders. And today was a day that he was specifically loaded for Joker because he was going out on Joker Patrol. Right, so you have to be ready for all that, all the practical jokey nonsense. Yes. Right? Um, someone pulling out, like, a fake double mint gum, and instead of it just being, like, a mousetrap thing, it just severs their finger. So he has a <laughs> suture kit ready. Uh-huh. Uh, so Charlie is free and on the move. <laughs> <laughs> Already apologizing to Batman. Yeah. Uh, and... He's like, yeah, he made me. I had no choice. Uh, and Batman doesn't look especially sympathetic to that, which is weird to me. But also not terribly surprised. Yeah. He's just like, okay, well, like... So, all right, thanks. I'm up to speed. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that he's still rather annoyed yeah. <laughs> with Charlie. Yeah. Um, but so Joker leads Batman through this dumbass thing. Um, Joker is basically escaping. Yeah, through what we can, what I have to only imagine are all the traps that he went in and rigged. 
just in case this happened. Oh, you think he went in the first place and set them all? It's either that or the Peregrinators Club has a bunch of poison darts and, like, tiger pets on hand. Well, Joker says, he says that. He's like, it's a good thing they built the working temple in every detail, including all the traps that actually function. Enjoy these poison darts, Batman. So, yes, but but I'm going to choose not to believe the Joker on this one. Because it's that stupid? Yes. And I don't know. It is It is a group of, like, grown men who are playing Alan Quartermain. So, you know, it's even odds. We'll yeah. say that. Honestly, I think the episode would be a lot stronger without this bit. Mm. Uh, and just do something else. Um, yeah. But anyway, this slows Batman down enough for Joker to escape. Mm. Except, on the way out, he meets Charlie. M- much as Charlie met him. Yep. Um... And it's a complete reversal of roles. Yep. Um, because now Joker is trying to get away, mm-hmm. trying to get away from Batman, and Charlie has one of Joker's bombs. Yeah. And he's threatening to blow them both up. Yeah. Because this is powerless person finally getting their power. It's a great moment where at first Joker's annoyed because Charlie is beneath his notice, and then Charlie just slugs him in the gut. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, the Joker is just a guy. Yeah. Like, oh, this actually just became very real. Um, so yeah, Charlie has, has this bomb and he's doing his little like, yeah, it's the normal guy now. It's the little man. Ah, delicious irony. Uh Stupid poetic justice. (laughs) Uh, and, and Joker is like, let's talk about this. We're all very tired from all of our interesting encounters with Batman. (laughs) (laughs) Like now he wants Batman to show up because he knows he'll save him. And, and Batman does. Yep. And Joker hides behind him. Um, put put down the bomb, Charlie. And boy, howdy, Charlie puts down the bomb. He throws it on the ground. Um, but not before uh, jo- Joker is like, I'll give you the notebook with all of Charlie's family's yep. addresses in it. Everything I have on him. Just take it. Make him turn off the bomb. Right, which does give us a nice reason of like, it ties up those, those you know, plot loose ends. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> um, but Charlie tosses the bomb it goes off, and it's one of Joker's fakes. Yep. That somehow Charlie knew was a fake. Yeah, and <laughs> sure, <laughs> is the long and short of it. Which is weird that Charlie recognized it and the Joker didn't, but here we go. Yeah. Um, maybe it's just, like, on the bottom or, like, on the back of it. It's like, <laughs> this is a dud. Um, it's one of those things where, like, if this had been not a children's show, um, I think it would have been, like, he wouldn't have known. Right. Right. Like, Charlie would have been absolutely ready to murder suicide all of them. Yeah. Which I think, like, you probably could have gotten away with in this, with him being like, huh. <laughs> um, but, but, I mean, not that he, ha- I guess he has some respect for Batman, but, like, he is like, Batman thinks he, you know, owns the road. He yeah. thinks he's above the law, thinks he's above people like me. Like, the way that Batman, like, looked at him when he was asking for help. Mm-hmm. Then, like, the Joker obviously has it coming. Right. Um, but, yeah, it was just a, a dud with, like, cray paper and, uh, like, the word boom coming out of it. Yeah. Um, and he does, like, he jokers the Joker, right? Yeah. He's like, sucker. Yeah. Like, I got your stuff. And, and Joker's like, oh, you son of a... <laughs> and, and Batman's laugh here is so... <sighs> <laughs> like... Like, he finds it mildly... He's like, that's pretty funny. Uh-huh. Like, and I love how, how he doesn't think it's very funny, right? He's just like, this is pretty standard operating procedure with the Joker. Uh-huh. Um, 
which I, I love that he just gets one hearty chuckle. Yeah. Uh, which is better than the Joker's ever gotten out of That's him. That's so true. So that probably pissed off the Joker even more. Yeah. Yep. Um, but that basically wraps us up. Yep. Um, I think we are like out on like Charlie's smirk, basically. Char- Charlie is, Batman tells Charlie to go home and he kind of saunters out of that alley and he's like, oh, home, never thought that sounded so good. I wonder what Bonnie's making for dinner. I'd even be happy if it were meatloaf. Uh-huh. Um, and then, of course, he goes home, and it is, you know, Rocky Horror Picture Show, they're eating meatloaf. I was going to go with Bad Out of Hell meatloaf. Well, yeah. <laughs> it ties in. Yep. It ties into the theme. Well, yes, but, but meatloaf doesn't eat, like, not in the rock opera Bad Out of Hell it's the same meatloaf. It is the same meatloaf. For our, for our younger listeners, the 80s were a bad time. Yes. It's like, all right, there was this guy. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, so let us go through our end of episode business. Yeah. First of all, I don't see a body count in this. No. Um, I'll only call shenanigans on, uh, on Bullock's shin would be absolutely shattered <laughs> yeah i guess it depends on how hard harley hits him it it looks pretty rough but yeah, yeah no one no one needs to have died yep because the only bo- the only danger is the bomb and batman throws it out the window right i mean it's nice that it luckily lands on the joker's car and not into you know nuns or something <laughs> um but yeah fine we get a zero body count yep uh so then let us rank this episode uh, I would say um, this is a very, very good episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I would definitely put it in, like, our top five. Yes. Um, so I don't think it supplants those for me. Um, but, yeah, it, it real good. Yep. I agree. I don't think it surpasses, like, the artfulness of the ones that are, are one, two, and three. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, that's Two-Face part, uh, the Two-Face duology um, Pretty Poison and um, the Mr. Freeze episode. Heart of Heart Ice. Heart of Ice, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's definitely the top of the Joker episodes, and yes. it might be right behind those. Yeah. I mean, it beats the shit out of Cat in the Claw and, oh, yeah. like, Feet of Clay. Yeah. And, like, all the middling episodes, like, the Forgotten, <laughs> um, which is, like, our basic, like, midpoint litmus test to yeah. see if it's better than average or worse than average. Yeah. Like, it's it's far better than those, like, pretty good episodes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so let's get into our interview section. So nice. I have some basic questions. Today we're talking about Harley Quinn because this was her first appearance. Great. Um, and since normally I ask how a person was first introduced, but now we know. Now we know. So I want to ask some more behind the scene-ish questions mm. and cultural questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe we'll talk more about her character in detail um, in the next Harley Quinn episode. Yeah. So this was her first appearance. She appears again in this season. Yep. So what was the fan response to... So we know that, that she was popular, right? Mm-hmm. She became a fan favorite. Uh, and that's why she branched out into other media. Right. But what was the fan response to Harley actually like at the time that she was introduced? I mean, people loved her, right? Like, a lot of it was they introduced her because they're like, oh, we need, like, Joker just, like, needs a sidekick, right? Let's give the Joker a girlfriend. Cool. Um, but I think a lot of it had to do with um, the performances of actors like Arlene Sorkin and Tara Strong were so good um, everyone's like, okay, this is actually a really compelling character, right? And it 
it makes sense because as we've seen in all these episodes, right, uh, written by Paul Dini, he's so interested in the psychology of it, right? So that when you get to like the ultimate like Joker Harley episode, uh-huh. Mad Love, um, like I think that I think that got a daytime Emmy um, on its own, and um, and he was just really interested in like, oh, this is an abusive relationship. Let let's tease that out a bit. Yeah, I feel like. Throughout this season, they're constantly introducing great female characters. Mm-hmm. Um, we had, uh, what's her name, Lori um, in uh, the Prophecy of Doom. Yep. Uh, we had, um, what was her name? The second in command to um, Falcone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I mean, even, um, or Thorn. Thorn, yeah, Rupert yeah, yeah. Thorn's yeah, yeah. Uh, lieutenant. Right, his mercy. Yeah. Um, Candace? Candace, yeah. And every time it's like, this is a great character. Like, I want to see more of this character. And this time, this is the time that it actually stuck. Yep. Like, this was the one that was so good that you couldn't let it, like, you couldn't make it a one-off. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's pretty much it, is people loved this character from Jump, right? Which is funny because... Now it's hard to imagine how closed, like, the kind of parasocial, like, creator-fan relationship was that, like, it was just writing a letter to Warner Brothers or... So is that how the feedback came? Because these days um, you can go on Twitter or, like, go on fan forums. Right. But then, like, you didn't have a lot of ways to tell a show creator that you liked what they did. Yeah, it was, like, write a letter... Or um, write into, like, a comics magazine, right? Like, there is a lot of talk about her, like, in Wizard and that sort of thing. Um, So, yeah, that was the major difference. Why do you think the fan response was so big? Do you think it was all the performance? Um, Do you think it was the, the character design? Do you think it was the stories that they told with her? I mean, I think it's all of those. I think the character design is really great because it is, like, she feels like such a classic character Mm -hmm. um, because, like, it is a simple idea. It is a clear costume. You look at that silhouette, and it is a, like, it's a good silhouette. Uh (laughs) It's the long and short of it, right? Like, that's standard. Like, that's character design 101 to the extent that, like, you know, my pop socket is, like, Ladies of the DC Universe, right? And it's 70s. Batgirl, Wonder Woman, and Supergirl, and Harley Quinn's in there, and she doesn't look out of place, right? Did they? Let me take a look. Did they change her style so she looked more seventies? She looked a bit yeah, more, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. So more in that like sort of Neil Adams style, right? Whereas the the like seventies Catwoman is that hideous V-neck bodysuit with the green cape. Mm-hmm. You know, cats who famously wear capes, right? Um, so I think that's a lot of it. It's just such a clear idea, and it does a lot to balance out the Joker's energy. Yeah. Right? Um, Do you think that they... So she's in multiple uh, episodes in season one. Mm-hmm. And all of those episodes, I assume, were planned, or is that not the case? Are they like, we have the 10 that we know we're working on, and when we work on those 10, we plan the next 10? I, I think so, because when they originally cooked up the idea... Um, and I think part of why I was confused earlier is, and I'm sure someone will correct me if I'm wrong, but there was an earlier in the production cycle Harley episode where she's a lot flatter. And then 
they then fan response was good and they're like oh like people are really curious who this person is so that's when they pumped her up um but, but this yeah. was the first tv appearance of her right so uh but in production order not airing order oh okay yeah so what was the first in airing order <sighs> This was the first airing order. Oh, this was the first. Right. Airing. What I'm what I'm saying is there was there was another Harley Quinn episode that got made first. So, then, but then how did they get the feedback to use her again before the before it aired? Well, I think it would have been the second like cycle, or you know, I don't know. I'll have to look that up. I mean, it's possible that we'll the, just trim this down. Yeah, it's possible that the writers and like Paul Dini and everyone are just like, what a great character. Yeah, and yeah, like, yeah. Just new, right? So long and. <laughs> And yeah, I guess that's long and short, right? She's a character who just, like, makes sense and fits into the world well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, Joker is such an overbearing energy that to have her there to balance that out helps a lot. So that's my last question. Mm -hmm. And this is more of a character question and less of a production question. <laughs> um, but it's basically, in what, in what way does she uh, complement the Joker? Why is she such a good pair to her normally when we introduce a villain I ask about how they relate to Batman mm -hmm. but she is so tied with the Joker that like that's the relationship so what about her character makes her a great foil to him uh, because she starts out as a Joker fan right and I think that it is easy to see like why the Joker is such a popular character sort of on his own right like why he's what, the only supervillain to get his own movie, right, his own live-action movie, um, who has had multiple, like, comic series about him specifically. Mm -hmm. um, like, Batman fans can relate to the idea of being a Joker fan, right? Um, the colors are good, right? The, there's been plenty of great storylines, that sort of thing. Um, so you relate to that, and uh, from there, it's just, it is a very, like, it ends up being a weirdly complex relationship, right? Like a lot of people can relate to the idea of like being in like a romantic relationship where you are not getting what you need from it. Mm -hmm. I think that that just resonates with a lot of people um, to the extent that like it is understandable why Harley is there to support Joker or undercut him. Like both those stories work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why um, why we've been getting honestly for the past like decade or so so many good harley quinn stories yeah i think a lot of batman villains when they have a love interest mm -hmm. that love interest is partly to build pathos and humanize them right right you have two-face and his uh fiance right you have um not in this, not in the animated series, but in the comics, I think Clayface has a wife mm. uh, who's a sculptor. Yeah, right. Um, and we have it was Two Face's wife who was a sculptor. Oh, was it Two Face's yeah. wife who was a sculptor? Right, because we talked about how like that doesn't, but it would be better if it were this other. Oh, but that's right. Yeah, it'd be better if it was Clayface. Um, but uh, I mean, Mister Freeze, right. right? Like his very character is defined by the fact that he lost this woman he's trying to save her and that's what that's our our audience into into him all all those women are victimized whereas with harley quinn and the joker it's the opposite mm. like harley quinn's relationship with the joker doesn't humanize him and give us pathos for him it monsterizes him yeah because he's so cruel and like uses her like a currency uh as he like 
conducts his plans. Right. Yeah. I mean, very few things resonate with audiences more than just, like, the utter despicability of someone who knowingly hurts a woman. Right. And especially, like, she is so devoted to him that mm-hmm. it's, like, the, the like, king a puppy trope. Right. Right? Yeah. It's like, how could you do that to her? And, like, he only cares about himself. Yeah. Ultimately. And, you know, I'm so glad that um, in different, like, stories of Harley Quinn, like, that's been played out enough that it's like cool we can now like have her become basically she becomes she hates joker so much she becomes an anti-hero yeah um that said i know you are not there yet but uh for anyone out there who hasn't um the second season of batman telltale is a really strong harley quinn story. oh nice i'm yeah. super looking forward to that yeah, now. yeah. uh cool so that wraps me i'm sure that we'll have more talk about harley quinn yeah for um for the next Harley Quinn episode. Yeah, I, I should go back and read some of those, like, old Gail Simone comics and and catch up on those. Yeah. That's it for us, but do join us next time because we're going to be reviewing the 1992 episode Vendetta, which is the first appearance of Killer Croc. Uh, a fun villain who can go toe-to-toe with Batman physically, uh, so it should be a good review. Yep, we are. We're gonna. We're gonna wrestle, <laughs> wrestle up us a review. I guarantee. Uh, all right, so join us then. Same battering time, same battering channel. <laughs>